The Radio Stingray Podcast is brought to you by our gold sponsor, McNally Jones Staff Lawyers. Proudly supporting the MUA Sydney branch since 1977. Need assistance with employment, industrial or workers' compensation, or any other legal problem? Phone 9233 4744 or visit mcnally.com.au and get a real fighting lawyer on your side. tuned in to Radio Stingray. G'day everyone and welcome to the first episode of Radio Stingray for 2019. Radio Stingray is the regular podcast of the Sydney branch of the Maritime Union of Australia, proudly recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. My name is Shane Reeside and with us in the studio today is Sydney branch secretary Paul McAleer as well as two staunch wharfies from the Hutchison Terminal in Port Botany, Hank and Hannah. How's it going everyone? Good, Excellent. Thank you. For this episode, we're returning to the waterfront. There is a new report that was released by a management-oriented consultancy which found that despite the conventional wisdom, automation at container terminals has substantially reduced productivity. Given the massive drive by almost all terminal operators towards automation, this is huge news. But before we get to that, there's a hell of a dispute unfolding at Hutchison. In fact, during a demo on January 24th at Port Botany, we had a blue with the cops and here's some, uh, some audio from that demo. What a demo. At one point, Mackie here was unceremoniously dragged off by the cops and arrested. Mate, tell us what happened. Well, it's a long story and we don't have time to, to go through it all, but basically we sent a message out to our members indicating that we were going to have an EBA update report back meeting that we have to normally hold in the car park of Hutchison down there at Port Botany where we've had many meetings over the last four years. And when we got there, the police were already there and they indicated that they were aware that there had been text messages sent out to the membership suggesting that we were going to march on Patrick's. So I said, that's ridiculous. And I showed them the text message that was sent out and tried to get some information in relation to how he became aware that we we're actually going to march on Patrick's. He then um, continued to press me on it. And I said, listen, mate, if you're going to invite us to march on Patrick's, I'll put it to the membership and um, they will determine whether or not that's what we do after this EBA report back meeting. But our first item of business is to report back to the members where we are in the EBA negotiations. We gave an update and I'll let the comrades um, report as to where the negotiations are up to. We then had a resolution which um, took on the invitation by the New South Wales Police to march on Patrick's. The only caveat to that was that we weren't allowed to occupy any part of the roundabout, um, which um, is down there on the way to Patrick's. So we said, of course we won't. This is a, a protest. We're protesting against Hutchison and we're also protesting against Patrick's. Uh, who accepted Patrick's vessels. It was unanimously supported. We marched our way down there towards Patrick's and then um, we were confronted by a wall of riot police. It's something that we've uh, unfortunately become very familiar with in the Maritime Union of Australia Sydney branch, seeing repeatedly the tools of the state being used against workers who are simply navigating their way through their democratic rights 
and manifesting their values and principles. What we were doing is, is not protesting anything other than our right to go to work with dignity and to go there with um, our wages and conditions that we deserve. We build the wealth uh, and it's the bosses that take it from us. So we had a wall of right police who said that there, there would be no one um, moving beyond that. And horses. And horses. And dogs. And, and a dog squad, which, you know, I suppose that that's what you need to take on Wharfies and what you need to take on the MUA. Um, having, a, having a bunch of blue um, men in blue ain't good enough. They've got to bring their mates in black. The, you know, they, they want to see themselves as big, tough guys. They need to wear black clothes. They need to have big black Lego trucks. And um, they need to you know, demonstrate to the world that they're the ones in charge. Well, we made it absolutely abundantly clear to those thugs in black um, that we are in charge of our own destiny and no act of intimidation or thuggery will will bounce us. We believe that we have the right to protest. We believe we have the right to democratically manifest our values and principles, and that's what we did. We stayed there for about 45 minutes after they were pushing us away. We sat down. We weren't going to be moved um, by their intimidation and threats. They read the riot act out three times, and after the third occasion, they bundled me off into the paddy wagon. And um, we had a lengthy discussion between ourselves as to the virtues of the New South Wales Police and Riot Squad um, versus the, the values and principles of the mighty MUA Sydney branch. I reckon I came out on top. Um, they probably thought they did, and um, they said that we needed to move on and disperse. I refuse to do that. I'm an uh, elected representative, and if you walk away from those you represent, you're not worthy of the position, uh, and said that my spot was alongside my comrades and I'd be going straight back there they then threatened me with further arrest. I said, go for your life. I'm sick to death of your threats. If that's what you need to do to convince yourself you're doing your job, um, then you can go right ahead. Uh, our, our goal was to do what we negotiated, and that was to walk around the roundabout at Patrick's, and we weren't going to stop until we did that. And fortunately, um, they saw common sense and allowed us to uh, proceed on our march around the roundabout and then the uh, protest came to an end. But that's not the end of the struggle. And whilst um, we thank each and every member who attended, who stood up against that thuggery, um, the, the struggle continues. We still haven't got an enterprise agreement. We've still got Hutchison uh, declaring that they're going to be the Tiger Airways of international stevedoring. We're not going to allow them to do that. We're not going to allow them to attack our wages and conditions and we'll fight to the bitter end. And we might get to some of the details of that in a sec, but just for those who aren't familiar with Port Botany, there's three container terminals down there and effectively uh, members from Hutchison, which is one of them, were marching uh, from their terminal along Foreshore Road to another terminal uh, called Patrick's and is, we were marching on that terminal. That's when the right cops stopped us and uh, pinched Macca. Why do you think they let you go, mate? Well, they also pinched a member. And, um, and a member as well, and I'm not, right. Yeah, he doesn't have, need to have his name um, out there. Um, but he was pinched as well and also thrown in the back of a paddy wagon. Um, the reason why they did do that is because they want to assert their authority. They don't want workers to stand up against vicious employer attacks and they don't want us to be out there defending our right to work and our right to work with dignity and justice. And anyone who doesn't comply with that is labelled as, um, you know, a rioter. Um, or in need of being um, ordered uh, to sit down, obey and comply. Well, wharfies and maritime workers have never been that, that, that group of people. 
we have consistently demonstrated throughout our um, history, in particularly in the MUA Sydney branch, that we will oppose any threats, any intimidation, and we will stand up against anyone, whether it be a police officer, the riot squad, a politician, uh, a, a boss, or anyone who stands in our way for dignity and justice, we will oppose them. And that's why they're after us. That's why they're standing over us. Um, but they're in for a long battle if they think that's going to scare us away. And you're sitting there in the Divi van, though, for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes or longer, was it? Half an hour, maybe? Oh, it was, felt like a bloody hell of a lot longer. <laughs> it was about 300 degrees in the back of it. It was stainless steel cage. Why do you reckon they let you go? Why didn't they just t- take you to the station? Because it was made clear to them from the community that they were going to ring up every one of their neighbours and every wharfie and every maritime worker in and around Port Botany. Um, we're going to leave their workplaces and come down and confront brutality and oppressors. Um, and they were made absolutely clear to them that the MUA Sydney branch and its membership um, would stand against that oppression and repression and they weren't going to get away with it. And if they wanted to proceed by locking up the elected representatives of, of the membership, if they wanted to throw members into the backs of paddy wagons, then they'd need to bring down a hell of a lot more police paddy wagons to lock us up and the community up alongside us because we weren't going to allow that intimidation um, of democracy, which is what it represents, elected representatives being thrown in paddy wagons, members thrown in paddy wagons for protest. Is that what this country has come to? They, they came to the quick realisation that it wasn't going to be the 150 of us that were down there. There was going to be 1,500 of us very quickly and any more than that afterwards if they kept on locking us up. So, Hank and Hannah, you're both working at Hutchison at the moment uh, and are both elected reps yourselves at that workplace. What's this dispute all about? Um, this is... If you've been, if you follow Hutchinson since they've been here, this is deja vu three and a half years ago when our EA was up um, back then. Company that's rocked up in Australia, a big, massive uh, international company, and they've just come in and wanted to crush our rights. And because there's no work at the moment for them at the beginning, they thought they'd just take on the union, get the union out of there, and then get the wages how they want. So we did an EBA five, three and a half years ago, same result. They sent ships away, they sacked us all. We fought for five months, we won, we got a decent EA, which was fair for them, fair for the workers, and we got on with the job. Three years later, the EA's up, deja vu, deja vu. They've tried to cut all our conditions again, wages, automation, subcontracting all our work. So we do what we did, we did uh, what we did legally, we went and did a um, legal industrial action with respect to the company, we followed every rule. So they sent all their ships over to Patrick's. This is what they do. So they just ignore everything. They're not there to make money. They're there just to crush the union, get wages down and wait for a few years to, before they decide to kick off. But what do you do? We'll just keep fighting along. It's deja vu, three and a half years ago, here we are again. And it'll probably happen in three years' time. So uh, for those listeners out there who aren't familiar with how container terminals work, uh, because the staff at the container terminal are taking industrial action, then the company has contracted the ships that they would normally unload at that terminal to a neighbouring terminal. So effectively exactly there's, right. there's no ships for them to unload and it's a, a way of trying to isolate the workforce. Well, they, they're taking illegal industrial action against us. That's what, that's what they do. We went for a 24 strike which we are entitled to. They send every ship away. They haven't been back for two weeks. Well, it's coming up to two weeks. Displace Nothing happens to them. Yeah. Trying to displace our work and hurt us in the, in the hip pocket. Right. So it's the company retaliating, That's basically. Exactly right. 
And so, uh, Hannah, you're sitting at the negotiating table with the company. What would you say are the top three issues? So the top three issues would, one, be outsourcing. They want to outsource um, jobs that have been in the industry forever. They think that, that their biggest argument is that they've got no money. So let's not forget that this company is owned by the 13th richest man in the world and they want to cry poor. They've got sub- subsidiaries all around all around Australia, all around the world. So they want to outsource because of money. So they want to outsource uh, positions like reefer for people who don't know the industry, the people who monitor the refrigerated containers. They want to outsource that, get a cheaper company in, take that work. They want to outsource the shift leader position or they want to rearrange, re- rearrange the grades. So they just want to take out positions that we have been doing, you know, historically forever. The second one's probably the automation. They seem to like the idea of DP World because DP World is another uh, stevedoring company which is their biggest competition all around the world. They want to automate. So DP World in Brisbane automated. We have we have um, auto-stacking cranes. So for people who don't know, they are cranes that auto-stack. They're, they're robots in themselves and they stack the containers into a stack like with a bridge and gantry crane and try and land those. So they want to automate automation pretty much. They want to do what DP World did in Brisbane. DP World in Brisbane, it failed dismally. Uh, their truck turnaround times just never work for them. So it's it, it's almost funny that DP World in Sydney now are the only uh, the only Stevedore company that don't have automation, and they actually go out to their clientele saying that we have the best productivity because we don't have automation. But our company, for some reason, want to follow along in the footsteps of uh, DP World in Brisbane and and places around the world which we're just not going to cop. So we're not going to automate what is already half automated anyway. But just on that, I don't think they're going to automate it. I think they're going to say they're going to automate it. If we sign it over, then it's not going to work. Then they're just going to bring in subcontractors to do it. They're Probably. just sneaking through that. It's not fast. It's not a fast practice. It doesn't work. Yeah. They know it doesn't work. They're yeah. just trying to roar us again. Yeah, look, <coughs> automation's certainly an important thing. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, how would you describe management's attitude towards workers through this process? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I don't think any worker could answer that with a straight face. Um, but the threats and intimidation by this company, not only in Australia but around the world, make it impossible for an employee to talk about um, the management team. I can. Um, I'm not employed by Hutchison and can explain truthfully um, what this mob are like. They're no good, they never have been, and their management style is the most unappreciated in this country. Uh, outside of VICT, which um, they seem to want to replicate. We have seen a management team that has consistently demonstrated their hatred for their own workforce. They have done everything they possibly can to destroy any potential relationship and any ability for us to turn around the crimes that were committed against us in 2015. Hank's already alluded to it. Four and a half months we sat on a picket line and on a community uh, assembly down there at the roundabout in order to win our right to work. We did that. We gave an opportunity to the company to get everything back on course. We've attempted to provide them with the flexibility they need to um, attract business, and they continue to spit in our face. Um, now, that's, that has its consequences. For all of us that live in the real world, we know that we can't treat people um, with disrespect and, and get anything in return from them other than disrespect. Pat, um, Hutchison Management believe that they can continue to attack us, continue to attack everything that we have known uh, and loved for many years and think 
that we're going to roll over and give them the business that they want. They will not have the business that they want. We will not allow them to attack us and to get away with their cuts and assault on this industry's history. They will come into a very rude shock. Like they did in 2015, we're not going to roll over. We'll continue to fight and prosecute until we get the outcome that they want, but we will not allow them to be rewarded for their tactics and for the way in which they manage their business. So on our refusal to roll over, I understand, Hank and Hannah, that there's been some industrial action that's been happening since the 17th of January. Can you tell us a little bit about what that's been? Okay, so what happened was we filed for a ballot um, about two months ago now, I think. Um, We got a 98.4 vote yes. So a ballot is where uh, you run a little election of members about whether or not they want to take industrial action. That's exactly right. So what we put on those sheets, we had nine different questions to ask the membership, some being um, upgrade bans, extension bans, OT bans to stop after every two hours. We'd stop for half an hour. Um, and, and then also the four, 12, 24-hour strikes. And so what have you actually done out of that list? So we've done eight of the nine. So when the maintenance stop, we also stop for that half an hour because we don't deem it safe to be working um, just as it is across the industry while there is no maintenance coverage. You don't want to be stuck in a machine. You don't want anything like that when there is no maintenance coverage. The company have taken it upon themselves to deem that as uh, industrial action. They don't feel that you need maintenance uh, coverage, which they damn well know that you do. Then, once we take that, they've been docking us for a minimum of four hours, which legally they think that that's right. Legally, they're allowed. They they, they think that they can dock us four hours for for unprotected industrial action. But it's quite ironic that uh, if we go over, like we st- sit down for safety for half an hour that we get docked five hours, they deem it as illegal industrial action, yet they send ships away and sit us outside for two weeks, no one's getting paid, um, we're losing hours, only because we're doing what they're right, and, but that's not illegal to the company. They're allowed to do that. They're allowed to send work away for weeks and we sit there and not get paid, and that's, that's, that, they're not breaking any law, but we, we sit down for half an hour for safety and we're in trouble. I think this demonstrates why we need to change the rules. 100%. What we see on a daily basis is our inability to protect our industrial interests and the laws being used against workers instead of being used to protect them. We've seen Hutchison outsource their vessels. Now, if industrial action is protected, after you've gone through all of the hoops, which are numerous, after the document has expired, uh, after you've gone to a ballot, and after you've convinced the Fair Work Commission that you've done everything correctly, and after you've got the AEC to declare a ballot valid, after you've got more than 50% voting yes for it and 50% actually voting for it, after you've done all of that, you've then got to give three full days notice. Now, for anyone out there who understands the concept of a day, most of us would suggest that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are all days. Well, the Fair Work Commissioner has, well, one of them has obviously indicated that Saturdays and Sundays aren't considered days. We work in a 24 7 hour industry where workers go to work every single day of the year. Every single day of the year, the waterfront operates. Saturdays and Sundays, you know, after um, 5 pm and before 9 am, we work 24 7. Yet we have to give three business days advice to the employer so that they can prepare 
to outsource the work so that the industrial action doesn't matter. Now, that's a disgrace, and I hope that that's something that changes after the next election. We need a law in this country which allows industrial action to be protected, otherwise it doesn't exist. So effectively, uh, the negotiations over a new collective agreement are going badly. The company's trying to roll back a whole bunch of conditions that the, the workforce was able to secure, even though the union has been bending over backwards to try and accommodate them. Uh, the workers have taken a whole range of industrial actions uh, from short stoppages uh, to larger stoppages. There's been a big demo uh, where Macca got pinched, backed up trucks. Uh, the company's retaliating by uh, moving work over to another terminal. Seems like things are heating up. What happens next? Well, what happens next, we'll just keep um, doing what we're doing. We'll, we'll keep abiding by the law that we have to, not that they do. And um, obviously we... The conditions they're offering us in an EA could never be voted in. It's right. it's it's outrageous. It's not negotiable, so we don't really know exactly what where they're coming from. It's not practical. It's never going to happen. And so we're, yeah, we're not going to negotiate on things like superannuation, long service leave, redundancies, and things like that. Maternity that leave have already been fought for. They're already there, so we're not going to go backwards on it. So I don't know where that exactly what Hank says. I don't know where they think that they're going, and it's really hard. It's a really hard negotiation. Well. They want us to come off rosters, for example, and just go into a, um, a like a casual type of uh, arrangement. The whole terminal will be like that. Now, who, who's, who's going to accept that when we're doing a 24-7 port? We want to bring people up, our, our guys who are on those rosters which aren't family-friendly to move up into a roster, and they want to go backwards, completely backwards. They want to casualise the whole workforce. Pretty much casualise. They, like they don't like to pay you if you go on holidays. They don't like to pay you if you're sick. They're just... Mm -hmm. They're just going so far backwards, like 20 years ago, mm -hmm. and that's where we are. And so it's right never going to be acceptable. What about right of return? That's the best one. They yeah. want to they want to be able to displace your work, give you a redundancy, and not have to bring you back within five years. And these this mob particular, what will happen if we rolled over on that? They'll send their ship straight over to Patrick's <laughs> for one month, say that there's no work, make half of us redundant. Anyone who has any fight in them, or, or you know, who will stand up to them make us redundant, bring the shits back a month later and then just, just uh, re-employ people in our jobs. You know, that's, what, that's, their, uh, that's their main goal and that's where, uh, that's where we're going to just... Well, Hank's right, but it's not just their main goal. It's how they, they operate their businesses around the world. This is something that we're very familiar with. We're affiliated to the International Transport Workers Federation. We're affiliated to the International Dock Workers Council. We are aware of how this company operates, not only in Australia, but around the world. We are not going to allow ourselves to not have a roster. Everyone out there who's listening to this podcast expects and has an expectation that where their employer can roster you to a day's work, they should do so. For a company to come out and, and eliminate all of the regularity that you have in your life is unacceptable. We'll ensure that, as Hank says, we have to abide by every law. The boss doesn't. We'll make sure that we continue to abide by the... Um, the, the Fair Work Act and all of the other instruments that we need to in order to ensure that our industrial action remains protected. But we're also going to attack the company in relation to every area of its business. We'll be seeking support and solidarity from around the world. We'll be going to our comrades out there in um, throughout Sydney and Brisbane and seeking their support to demonstrate to Hutchison that this is not just about wharfies. This is about the entire community ensuring that they don't get their way. And where they steal our wages, which is what they've done, we will do everything in our power to recover them. 
At the next election, we need not only need to change this government, we need to change the rules and change them in a way that protects workers, not attacks them. Look, thanks for raising the internationalism there, Maka. One of the uh, latest iterations of the MUA's internationalism uh, has involved the very close bonds of solidarity that are being formed with wharfies that work at Hutchison-owned terminals in our region. As the drama of the demo on the 24th played out, messages of solidarity became streaming in from wharfies in Hutchison terminals around the world. Particularly close ties have been forged with our comrades who work at the Hutchison terminal at the port of Tanjung Priok in Jakarta. The comrades there are deep in a hectic struggle with the company themselves, fighting for very survival of their union. Now, within uh, within hours of Maka being arrested at the port, we received a solidarity film from Jakarta, and I'm going to play you the audio now. SPJ City stand in solidarity with MUA strike in Hutchinson Port Sydney. You don't respect worker in Sydney, then you don't respect worker in Jakarta and anywhere. Hutchinson, watch out! Global workers are coming. Here many way. At Unity Bank, we are a hundred percent committed to maritime workers. We pride ourselves on delivering better all-round value to our members and their families. Unity Bank, proud supporter of the Maritime Union of Australia and sponsor of this podcast. Welcome back to Radio Stingray. We're in the Radio Hub studios in Alexandria with Hank, Hannah and uh, Macca. Uh, we're going to have a, a talk now about automation, which is something that's constantly stalking in the background of the conversations about work across the economy, not just at the waterfront. There's no doubt that the rise and rise of automation is transforming how all sorts of ordinary work gets done, and of course, who does it? Um, there's various levels of automation that have already been introduced in Australian ports, and late 2018, there was an announcement that there would be more to come. In a really interesting twist to the unfolding situation, the notoriously conservative think tank, the McKinsey & Co., have released a report saying that automation is simply not living up to the expectations of cost and performance benefits. According to the report, terminal operators have expected automation to cut operating expenses by 25 to 55% and to raise productivity by 10 to 35%. In reality, the survey found operating expenses at automated ports fell by only 15 to 35%, while productivity actually fell 7 to 15%. Productivity went down. Maka, does this surprise you? Not at all. We're starting to see the anecdotal evidence turn into scientific fact. We have been saying for years that automation is a failure. The only reason why their companies are automating is to union bust. We've seen examples in Port Botany where Patrick's automated their facility. They went out to the market and said, we're going to save $50 million a year as a consequence of halving the employees' numbers in the terminal. They went from around 400 and they went down to 208. And they went to the courts, they went to the market, they went to the industry and said that we will be able to run an automated terminal with 208 employees. You know how many work there now? More than 290. We have um, increased the amount of people that work there because uh, automation is not working. They are not saving $50 million a year. And my argument out there to the industry is don't jeopardise your contracts like Patrick's did. Stick with the people that know how to operate your machinery. That's the wharfies that work for you. We know how to do our jobs the best. And don't automate your terminals because you're going to hit a wall of opposition. Some more figures. The McKinsey report said that one global port operator informed them that the average number of gross moves per hour for key cranes in automated ports is in the low 20s, 
While at many conventional terminals, that is terminals operated by people, it's in the high 30s. So that's the move of boxes per hour. Hank, you're an experienced wharfie. Does this surprise you, mate? Not at all. I've worked, I drive cranes. I'm a crane driver. I've also been over to a fully automated terminal in Rotterdam a few years ago and went on a tour there. And I watched this crane um, like discharging a ship. It was going that slow and I was thinking half the amount of boxes or a quarter of the amount of boxes a crane driver would do, I don't know what a box is worth over there, but you do the maths, it doesn't make sense. If a crane driver's on $50 an hour, he does an extra 20 boxes an hour, surely that $50 is, is worth the money. So, no, it doesn't work. I come from Patrick's as well. They went through the same thing. They automated their cranes do so much uh, less than what they were doing you know, years ago. They were doing 300 boxes. Now they're doing apparently 150 boxes. It's a lot of boxes difference. And for, for what? For what reason? Interestingly, that port operators are experiencing poor results from automation is not slowing the pace of automation in the port sector. So port operators told McKinsey that they expect that in the next five years, at least half of all greenfield port projects will be semi or fully automated. Furthermore, port companies told McKinsey that in brownfield projects, the total or partial conversion of existing conventional ports will probably gain momentum soon too. A majority of port owners in the study believe that 50% of the top 50 ports will initiate retrofitting plans or add automated equipment during the next five years. If it's not working, why are they pushing ahead with it? It's just to get rid of workers, that's it. Exactly as Macca alluded to before, they don't like paying the extra, they don't like having someone talk back to them, they don't like uh, not having control of when people take leave, sick leave, anything like that. I think it's 100% just to get rid of people. Well, what we've seen... In stevedoring, not only in this country but around the world, um, we are in the most organised workplace internationally as, as wharfies, dockers, longshoremen, whatever we call ourselves around the world, we're the most organised and we, we have a, a lot of industrial leverage and employers and the capitalist system don't want us to have that. They want to control us and they want their ability to create as much profit as they possibly can and they can only do that without us. They've attempted to use automation as a, as a union-busting tool, and it's failed. They sold it as being about productivity, and they're failing. There isn't an example around the world that people can point to and say that where they've gone from uh, a, a manual operation to an automated one that it's improved. Uh, we have seen countless examples where it doesn't work. We know that in this country it's not about productivity, it's about union-busting. And the reason why they're going ahead with it is because they cannot manage their terminals. They look for every excuse in the world. We're the ones who do the work. We want to get paid well for doing that work 24-7. We do so, and they want to get rid of us. It's as simple as that. Maritime Super is the largest industry fund for the maritime industry. With a proud history as one of Australia's longest-running super funds, Maritime Super delivers innovative super and retirement benefits helping its members make the right decisions to secure their financial freedom into the future. To learn more, email www.maritimesuper.com.au. Welcome back to Radio Stingray. Uh, today we've been talking about how automation is a mistake and there's a hell of a, a blue that's brewing at Hutchison. What do you guys really want as an outcome from this dispute? Oh, for me, is just um, do the EBA, which we're going to get in the long run, let everyone come to work. Let everyone – it's a great job. Let everyone do their job. Get ships in there. 
benefit the company, benefit the worker and get on with it. It doesn't need to be a battle all the time. We're not the ones pushing for a battle all the time. The union aren't the ones pushing for the battle all the time. The union is way happier if they're not involved and so is the workforce because you just want to turn up. We all like going to work. We all want to go to work. It's just what we get caught up in um, upstairs really deteriorates uh, the relationships at home. Um, it brings enormous stress as we, as we saw uh, back on the picket how many, uh, how many families were broken apart from that. We don't want to go through that again. We just want to go to work. We want the EBA done and we just want to get on with it. Well, what we want to see is an EBA that's voted on by the members and supported by the members, and that means one that doesn't have any cuts and savage assault on our wages and conditions. And I'm going to tell Hutchison once, I've told him across the table a thousand times, you will never get away with attacking our industry and attacking our members. We will fight to the death to ensure that they have dignity, justice, safety, and everything they deserve for making you all the money that you do. Macca, Hank and Hannah, thanks for joining us today. Thanks very much. Thank you. Good on you. Stay tuned to the MUA Sydney Facebook page for updates and action alerts because they're definitely coming. And if you haven't already, don't forget, subscribe to Radio Stingray wherever you get your podcasts. And as I always say, if you can see water, join the mighty MUA. Ring up their offices and you'll get some forms and we'll ensure that you're protected, just like our seafarers, port workers and, and wharfies are. All the best. See you next time. You're tuned in to Radio Stingray. Radio Stingray podcast was brought to you by McNally Jones Staff Lawyers, assisting MUA members and their families for 40 years. Phone 9233 4744 or visit mcnally.com.au and get McNally's on your side.